Let's praise God again, this time from Psalm 103. I wonder what you see when you look at the city of Geelong. You see a city of 220,000 people in a blissful seaside location with beautiful beaches. You see a prosperous city. Maybe you see the heart of Victoria's Bible Belt full of good living folk. Or, when you look at Geelong, do you see a place where there's work to be done? Kingdom work to be done. People who need the good news of the Kingdom of God. Broken lives, needy people in need of salvation from their sin. What do you see when you look at Geelong? In this passage tonight, we have Jesus' thoughts as he looked at the crowds around him. Verse 35, we have a summary of his work, a summary of, of chapters 4 through to, to chapter 9 here. It says, He went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and illness. The same words as, it, as is in chapter 4 verse 23 and they're like two bookends they sum up everything that's in between Matthew's been introducing us to Jesus' ministry what's it all about? it's about teaching it's about preaching it's about healing this verse is short but it's very significant it's a summary of a large chunk of our Lord's life and, and ministry and so we can't overlook it in one sense that one verse is the the bulk of Jesus' work. It's why he came. It's what he, he did when he came. And from verse 36 onwards, it's an important section. Jesus has been doing all this work, teaching, preaching, healing, and he steps back and he reflects for a moment on his work. He looks and then he progresses his work. And he progresses his work by sending out co-workers. That's why I finished in the middle of verse 5. To emphasize that, Jesus chose the twelve apostles, which means sent ones, and he sent them out. Jesus sends out co-workers as he looks at his work and his ministry. And friends, we here tonight, we are the Lord's co-workers. He's still sending out today, and he's still calling us to work with him. He has a harvest and he sends his people out, you and me, as co-workers with him in that harvest. And so this passage presents us three challenges tonight. Three challenges for working in the harvest along with Jesus. And the first challenge is that we, as workers with Jesus, we need to have eyes open to see the need. Eyes open to see the need. Picture Jesus... He's teaching, he's preaching, he's healing. Perhaps he's just finished a sermon on the mount. He's in an elevated position. He can see the, the countryside around him for a wee bit. Get that image in your mind's eye. Now he finishes his, his sermon on the mount and he looks up and pauses for a moment. And he sees paralytics being carried to him. He sees blind people being led to him. See, demon-possessed people being hauled towards him, shrieking to get away. 
He sees the people in front of him and they're wide-eyed in amazement at the, the very basic truths that he's just been teaching them. People are confused by what he's saying because it contradicts the, the teaching that they get in the synagogue. That's what Jesus sees as, as he looks. And Matthew tells us that when he saw this crowd, he had compassion on them. Sees the crowd, his compassion on them. There's a very vivid word that Matthew uses to describe how Jesus feels about these needy people. It means he was moved to his bowels. He has a gut reaction when he sees these people. It's like his heart was stirred. We have a phrase in Ireland, and maybe out here, it's gut wrenching. See something that's it's gut wrenching. It's the, the, the bowels, that was the, the seat of deep emotion. That's where the feelings were for them. There's more than deep feeling. It's a word, it's a feeling which moves to action. It leads into action. So Jesus is stirred in his heart and he decides to act, to do something about it. And what is it that stirs Jesus so much? Well, he sees their need. Look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He looks at this vast crowd and he sees them as vulnerable animals, harassed and helpless and worried, downcast and distressed. They're exhausted, they're spent, they're like sheep that are lying down and too tired, too sore to get up again. The fleeces are ripped, they're bloodstained, they've been attacked, they're bloodied. They're wounded, they're uncared for, they're unprotected, they're unsought. There's more than, than this. This phrase, sheep without a shepherd, it's a loaded Old Testament phrase. Choose the Numbers 27, 1 Kings 22, and the passage that Josh read, Ezekiel 34. God looks at his people and he sees that they're like sheep without a shepherd. And it's because Israel's leaders have failed. Israel's leaders have failed them. Israel's leaders are failing them. They're they're giving them lists of do's and don'ts. Giving them laws and laws about what they can and can't do. How far they're allowed to travel on the Sabbath. What they're allowed to pick up on the Sabbath. They're being given laws about fasts. When they should fast. Being told what to give have to divide up even the, the, the herbs from their garden. These leaders of Israel are looking down on the common people. They think they're scum. They're failing to, to teach them. Failing to show them the real need that they're sinners. They're, they're failing to point towards the Messiah. And even now, the leaders of Israel are failing to see the Messiah. But the section before this ends, verse 34, The Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Israel's leaders are failing her. They're failing her in nearly every respect. And Jesus looks at the people and say, sees that they're like sheep without a shepherd. Where can the people go for help? Where can they go for relief? Where can they go for salvation? Well, the passage we read, Ezekiel 34, it's not just about the failures of the leaders. It's about God's saving action. About what God will do. And Ezekiel prophesies that 
God will judge the shepherds. And God says, I myself will search for the sheep. I myself will look after the sheep. I myself will rescue them, gather them, pasture them, tend them, bind them up. I myself will be shepherd of my sheep. Sheep without a shepherd means that God is going to act. That was the Old Testament background of the phrase. Sheep without a shepherd, God is going to act for a sheep. And here we have in this verse, the great shepherd sees sheep without a shepherd and he's about to act. He's about to act. In verse 37 he changes pictures from sheep to harvest. He looks out and says the harvest is great. Harvest is great. Many people need what the kingdom has to offer. Many people need the good news of the kingdom. Forgiven sins, cleansed conscience, healed from the disease which affects us all in the heart. Sin. Harvest is great. People need the message of the kingdom that Jesus is bringing. Jesus looks at the people, sees they're harassed, they're helpless, they're like sheep without a shepherd. He's compassion on them. This is the heart of Jesus. What about you tonight? Are you like a sheep without a shepherd? Are you harassed and helpless, worried, downcast, distressed, exhausted and spent, spiritually nowhere, spiritually lost, confused spiritually? Jesus looks at people like you and he feels compassion. It's not just a feeling and moves them to action. And Jesus' compassion for lost sheep moves them to go to the cross to give his life to save them. To give his life to save his sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep because of his compassion. Jesus stands, as it were, with his arms wide open and he says, Come. This is you tonight, harassed and helpless, lost. Come, he says. How do you view Jesus? Do you view him as someone who's got a disapproving frown on his face? Someone who's got a checklist and he's ticking things off as you do them? Or do you see him? He's got a smile on his face. And his arms are open and he says, come. And he wants to act and save you. How do you view Geelong today? See your work colleagues and they're not able to cope with the, the stress and troubles of life. There's just no mechanism for whenever life gets tough. To see your friends, they're unprepared for tragedy or difficulty. They've got responsibilities and burdens and they, they just don't know how to cope with them, how to deal with them. They've been failed by their leaders. Even their, their self-help magazines and they look for advice and they get nonsense. There's no help for them. Those who are meant to be leading them, fail them. The need isn't always obvious. It's all around us. And we'll be sure it's all around us. Because the people of Geelong's greatest need, our greatest need, is to be rescued from our sin. We're all sinners. We all have this need. Think of it. 220,000 people in Geelong 
how many of you will be in church tonight? How many of your work colleagues, when you see them tomorrow morning, will have been in a place of worship tonight? More sobering, how many actually know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour? How many of our, our friends and colleagues and neighbours, if they died tonight, would wake up in hell? Think about that. Fall asleep, and the next moment they're conscience, conscious they're in hell. They're like sheep without a shepherd. The harvest is great. But there's two needs in the passage. Not just the need of the people, there's the need for workers. It's not just the people's need for Jesus, it's the need for workers along with Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. It's a contrast. It's an abundant harvest, the fields are bursting. There's no one to bring it in. There's no labourers to go out and reap. Harvest is plentiful. Jesus' work that he set out to do in Matthew is going to accomplish everything that the people need. The cross is going to provide healing and forgiveness and cleansing. The fields are bursting. There's a harvest. Who's going to gather it in? It's a need for workers. No one gathers, it's wasted. And how few there are today. Your your, uh, bulletin has a presbytery report and it mentions about the Theological Education Committee reporting back. That's what their report had to say. This is the, the group responsible for overseeing students for the ministry. No students to oversee. We need to seek, this quoting from the report, we need to seek the Lord to raise up labourers to minister the word, especially if we're going to see the Lord extend our work through church planting. There's few ministers. It's not just ministers that there's few of, few workers of all sorts. The mission team from the US had to be cancelled. Other mission teams at home in Ireland have had to be called off this year. And even in a church where everyone is serving and everyone is, is en- engaged in the work of harvesting, harvest is great. There's more work than there are workers compared to the need for workers are few. I don't know a single godly minister who ever says, Got nothing to do this week. Think of all the unreached people groups in the world. One online source says that 40% of the people on our planet have never heard the gospel and cannot hear the gospel at the minute because they haven't got the word of God and there are no missionaries. That's nearly 3 billion people. Harvest is great. We need to open our eyes to see the need. But the second thing we need is co-workers. Our mouths open to ask for workers. Mouths open to ask for workers. How do we respond to this need? Well, Jesus says in verse 38, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into this harvest field. Jesus says, Pray. Ask. There's a certain bluntness about what Jesus says. It's surprising. You don't expect them to say that. You maybe expect them to, to say, go, or, or oh. well, Jesus, what strategies do we have? What, what, what programs do we have? 
Jesus says pray the command to go will come for the disciples in verse 5 the command to go comes to all of us at the end of the book chapter 28 go into all the world and make disciples but what does he say first he says pray pray to the Lord of the harvest that I might send out workers into this harvest field that's the way God works God works by prayer His prayer empties us of self-reliance it humbles us makes us look to him focuses on him focuses on his glory he's the Lord of the harvest he gets the honour and the praise when we pray when we pray we're co-workers with him when we pray we unite our minds our hearts our will to his we're made like him pray something that everyone can do a child can't preach a sermon someone who's housebound can't do first response on a Saturday people living in South Geelong and are tied there for various reasons probably can't be involved in planting in North Geelong but what can we all do we can all pray we can all pray and it's the best thing we can do J.C. Ryle puts it this way personal working to save souls is good giving money is good but praying is best of all money can pay for missionaries seminaries can educate churches can ordain but the Holy Spirit alone can make ministers of the gospel never, never forget that our first duty is to pray open mouths to ask for workers who is it that's going to plant churches in Ireland and Australia who is it that's going to fill the empty pulpits who is it that's going to go to unreached peoples all over the world it's the workers that we ask God to send what did the presbytery do with the report of the Theological Education Committee they did the best thing they could do presbytery rose and asked the Lord of the Harvest to send workers into the harvest field we had a meeting on Tuesday night and Wednesday night about possibly planting a church in North Geelong how can everyone in this church be involved we pray we pray we can all be involved in that work the session have asked to put aside the month of May to pray to pray for the work there to pray that people would go to think about going how often do you stop to pray for workers here we have a command from Jesus to ask for workers why don't you make this part of your prayer life every day this week family worship your own devotional life every day ask God to send out workers I want to encourage you with an example of answered prayer RPCI in 2005 had 38 congregations and 12 empty pulpits a third of our pulpits in Ireland were empty in 2013 4 out of 40 are empty one tenth from a third to a tenth in eight years 
In that time, 19 men have passed through our seminary. Why? Not because we're brilliant, but because the church prayed and prayed and prayed that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers into his harvest field. Be encouraged. When we pray, he answers. Two challenges from the passage. The third one, we need to have minds open to being sent. Minds open to being sent. Great needs. Where to pray. What's Jesus going to do about it? Look at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 10. He called his disciples, gave them authority to drive out evil spirits, heal every disease and sickness. Verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent. These twelve Jesus sent. The apostles, the sent ones. Jesus sees the need and he sends people to meet the need. The Lord of the harvest sends. And looking back at the, the history of this congregation, as I've got to know the congregation and the Australian church over the last few weeks, this congregation has a history of sending. People have gone out. And we trust that as we pray, that will continue. The people, that God will send people from this congregation. And those that Jesus sends out, he equips, he gives them his authority. This one, he gave them authority. His authority he gives to the ones that he sends. And he says to them, you men go and you do what I've been doing. You do the work that I've been doing. You work with me. Sends them out to, to drive out demons, to heal. Verse 7, he sends them out to preach as well. Kingdom work. Signs that the king is here. The king is in their presence. Signs of a special time. The king is here in person. And they're to go out and show the people that the king is here. Look at these twelve men that God sends out. Twelve men. Israel was founded by twelve men. Twelve fathers. God's people in the Old Testament. And Jesus picks twelve and he sends them out. Twelve fathers of a new nation, a spiritual nation. It's the birth of the church as we know it. Look at the variety in the, in the men. You've got Peter, who's labelled as the first, the prominent one, the spokesman. You have Thaddeus, who's so obscure that different gospel writers call him different names. We can't even get his name right. Simon, the, the zealot, a, a rebel. And you've got Matthew, the, the, the tax collector, one who worked for the Roman government. There's a variety in them. Think of the obscurity of some of them. We know about Peter. Matthew wrote a gospel. John wrote books. Some of the men, we just we know nothing about what they did. They disappear from the Bible. Not told of the work they did. Who knows what churches they found? Who knows how long they spent praying for workers to be sent out? Who knows how much of the church's growth today we owe to these twelve men who prayed and who were sent? There's obscurity, there's variety, there's family, two sets of brothers. God delights to work in families. We've seen that here in Geelong. 
God working in families, but it's not just families, there's individuals as well. There's, there's Philip, there's Bartholomew, stand alone. Not only does God work in families, but for some, they're the start of a new godly family line. There's even Judas the betrayer. Even Judas the betrayer is sent out and does kingdom work. It's a warning to us. Friends, it's a warning to us that not all who do kingdom work are saved. It's encouragement to us as well. Because God uses even Satan's tools to build his kingdom. Sometimes we see things going on and we don't understand them. But God is sovereign. He's in control. He uses even Judas in his kingdom work. And Jesus takes these diverse people, the prominent, the obscure, the family, the individuals, even the betrayer, and he, he, he brings them together into a team. He gives them a mission that would change the world. At this point he sends twelve because they'll have a particular mission to Israel. But now he gives this work to his people, to his church. And today he still sends out workers. He equips those that he sends out. He gives them all that they need for their work. The work in his work. They give harassed and harried lost sheep hope from the good news of the kingdom they bring the kingdom they bring Jesus rule in lives next week we'll think more about what type of work we're sent out but tonight I want us to concentrate on the fact that God uses all sorts for his work think of the diversity of these 12 men it's not about who you are the question is are you willing to serve who is needed for church planting work in North Geelong? It's the same type of people that are needed for church work here in Central Geelong. People who are willing to serve. People who love their Saviour. And in fact, a mix of people is better. Because we want a mix of people to come in. We want to reach all kinds of people. Think of our congregation in Carrick. The first meeting that we had as a group, we didn't know who was coming to the meeting, so every time the door opened... It was a surprise what a motley crew we turned out to be. The people who'd been RPs all their lives. People who joined the church just two years beforehand. With young couples and spinsters. With well-rounded families and former drug addicts. With people who'd been born in the Catholic community. People who'd been brought up in the Protestant community all their lives. People from middle class suburbia. People from social housing. All sorts. God uses all sorts. They're willing to serve. No one can look at themselves and say, I'm not the type of person that Jesus sends, that Jesus is looking for. The most important thing is, do you love Jesus? Are you willing to serve? Are you prepared to work with him? Are you willing to give of yourself for the sake of the kingdom? You young men, maybe some of you not so young men, is God showing you gifts in your life? Gifts that He has given you? Gifts that would fit you for kingdom work? Is He giving you desires for that work? Is He giving you opportunities for that work? You need to think seriously about whether God is calling you to kingdom work.
Lord of the harvest and working with the Lord of the harvest. So we finish. I want to ask the question, why would we do this work? Why work as a minister? Why work in North Geelong? Why work here in Central Geelong for what our Saviour has done for us? He gave of himself. He humbled himself. Even to the point of death on the cross. He redeems us. He heals us. He teaches us. He guides us. His compassion on us. Why would we work? Think of what he has done for us. There's no greater privilege than working in the harvest fields with Jesus. No greater joy than seeing lives changed. Knowing the fellowship of working with Jesus and knowing him. The question isn't why work. The question is why not work. Amen. So remain seated. Let's pray.